Hello and welcome to Fintech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Aaron Burry, CEO of Willful. Willful is an online platform that allows people to quickly put together fully valid wills and powers of attorney, helping them take care of something almost 50% of people do not have properly done yet. And with that, here's my interview with Aaron. Good afternoon, Aaron. Good afternoon, Jason. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming in. So, Aaron Burry, CEO of Willful. Tell us about Willful. So, Willful is an online platform that makes it simple, easy, and convenient to create an online will and power of attorney documents from the comfort of your own home for a fraction of the price of visiting a lawyer. Okay. That is a very straight, very for, very straightforward elevator pitch. I may have practiced it a few times yeah. of, as of late. Just a few times. Okay. So let's talk about the history, your history. What did you do before this and what caused you to start uh, Willful? Yeah, so I think listeners would probably assume I was an estate lawyer by trade, but in fact, my background is in journalism, marketing, and company operations. So my husband and co-founder, Kevin, was actually the one who came up with the idea for Willful after having a family member pass away unexpectedly. And for anyone who's gone through the death of a loved one, you know there are all these questions that you have around burial wishes and what you want them to be buried in and all these you know, things that seem insignificant, but really end up with families arguing about it. So the initial idea for Willful was actually finding a way to help people with all of the details outside of a will, all of mm. the things that they don't put in their will, and they probably don't discuss with loved ones, because even though we know we should talk about end-of-life planning, we probably put it off in favor of watching the latest Netflix show. And it's a real cultural issue. It's funny. I find I was just had this comment with the clients who were in your before there, and one side of the family just, she cannot even start a conversation with their parents. Like they're just not going to go there. I find it's a very, I'm going to summarize here, but it's a very United Kingdom-esque approach. They just, it's never spoken about. Whereas, as I joked in my Southern European way about basically, whereas in our side, we do talk about it, but then it leads to arguments and, and resentment, but whatever. <laughs> you know, so there's no winning. Yeah, it's either, never, either, it's way, never easy. either way, it's never a good Thanksgiving no. table conversation. <clears throat> but in this case, uh, Kevin's family member had, hadn't even discussed whether he wanted to be buried or cremated with his wife of 40 years. So there mm. really hadn't been any conversation similar wow. to the client that you're referencing. So the initial idea was to provide a, a tool, kind of like an online digital breadcrumb account that would give people more information about what their loved ones would want to happen, not only in terms of burial wishes, but things like digital legacy. What do you want to happen to your Facebook and Twitter account? Are there any messages you would want posted? So he launched that. It was called Final Blueprint. Mm -hmm. And he launched it. And I believe to date, only his mom and me are the two customers of that site because we found out a, a really key insight early on, which is that shocker, people don't like to think about death. And so we realized that he had built a vitamin, a nice to have instead of a painkiller, something that people really needed. And in the conversations we had around that product, people would always say, oh, it's like online wills. I need to get a will. So yeah, tell me the, the URL. <laughs> oh, you want me to go to step two? I haven't done step one. Yeah, yes. Exactly. So we realized that the will was really the entry point. So we did what most tech startups do at some point. We did the buzzword of pivoting and uh, shifted oh, directions. Oh crap, we're not making money. Let's do something else. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. We, we pivoted to focus on online wills and, and launched that product in October of 2017. I actually joined earlier this year after about a year and a half into the company. I was previously running a marketing agency that worked with uh, consumer tech startups and fintech companies like lowestrates.ca and a whole host of other kind of 
financial focused apps. So I uh, had a bit of a background in fintech, but my background was primarily in marketing comms and, and operations. And when I was looking for a new challenge, I w- didn't have a great idea for a startup myself and figured if I joined another startup as CEO, my husband would probably kill me considering he had been asking me to join for about <laughs> two years. So I was uh, about to say, let me commend you first and foremost for making the leap of actually starting a company with your husband. Because Yes. Well, uh, ask me again in a year yeah, when we've actually had just, a chance to do it for longer, whether not, it's a good idea or not. Yeah. You're not the first who has thus far nothing but happy stories yeah so um yeah <laughs> yeah we decided to kick off our we got married in october so our, our period of newlywed bliss involved me joining as ceo and us becoming co-workers so i don't know if that was a dumb decision or a smart decision, let me commend but... your husband also on uh, lack of male bravado for letting the wife become the, the ceo and given he's the technologist it's probably the right move yes yes <laughs> i think so far so good on that front yeah. but uh but yeah it was kind of an easy choice it's it's uh, obviously as we're going to talk about it's a, a a category that has seen very little in terms of technological disruption. And uh, while it's not a sexy space, uh, I think it's one Wills aren't sexy. Sorry. You know what? (laughs) Well, death and wills are definitely not sexy, but I do feel like they're an important topic that we're hopefully helping people talk about a little bit more. It helps when your entire market is 100% of the population. (laughs) Which is actually ironic because we pitch investors all the time. And the one piece of feedback we always get is that we're tackling too small of a market. And every time an investor says that, That I think to myself, you do realize that everybody needs a will, every adult, minus maybe someone who has zero assets or dependents. It's beyond that. We're going to talk about that. I mean, you're not out there trying to create the most complex wills. Like you're not out there dealing with like super advanced trust cases and like pipeline planning and all this other stuff that makes me amused. And, and I find interesting, but that's just me. You're out there dealing with the mass market, the yeah. vast majority. And I'm sorry, first of all, that is 100% of people living, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, so I mean, well, let's just limit that to people living in Canada. And secondly, what are the statistics? You know this better than I. You're going to know this for sure. How, what percentage of people actually have an up-to-date will? Yeah. So we did some research with Angus Reid, the surveying company, and found that 57% of Canadian adults don't have a will at all. And 10% of people who do, their will is out of date. And how many and of those 33% were lying? Probably a lot, but you know, they give us a margin of error. But then we also found amongst millennials, it was 89% of them don't have a will. And amongst parents with minor children, which I would assume would be the group that are the most likely to have wills, 65%. So two thirds of them don't have a will. So pretty crazy stats. Yeah. And it's interesting because even in my job, like we, we typically go through everything first before we get to the will, simply because frankly, I don't like to do wills twice, right? So you make a decision on insurance, you make a decision on investment tax, whatever it is. If the people get hung up and decide that, especially with the younger crowd, who tend to be my clients who are in the younger crowd, tend to be my friends, if you're listening, <laughs> typically my worst clients because you never get through the entire process. We just don't get to the will because they basically, you know, it gets hauled up somewhere else, but mm-hmm. I'll keep bugging. So let's talk about the product itself. Tell me about the user experience. I find your, you know, listen to this podcast and decide I need a will. I go on. What's the entire experience look like? Yeah. So the experience is very much similar to TurboTax. So think about using TurboTax. It guides you through a series of questions. It asks you whether you bought a home this year, whether you you know, started a business this year. It tries to get to know your personal situation. And then it takes care of something that can be pretty complex by just kind of using logic and filling out all your information for you. Mm-hmm. So we're very similar. We guide you through a series of questions about your life situation. You know, are you married? Do you have pets? Do you have children? And then we ask you to make decisions decisions on the key components of a will. So we ask you to select an executor. We ask you to pick your beneficiaries, so who you'd want your assets to go to. If you want to leave any specific gifts like grandmother's locket or family heirlooms, whether you want to assign a pet guardian and leave money to your pet, which we established for you is 
quite a large sum of money because your dog apparently has expensive taste. No, uh, I just have expensive taste <laughs> for my dog and I expect it to be spoiled if I'm not around. And there I've you also, go. And I've also added an addendum that basically, and my lawyer thought I was joking, but it's a, it's a document that says, yes, it's this much money for the dog, for each dog. And by the way, if you don't take care of them to the rest of their natural life as happy as possible, my undying ghost will haunt you. And you know me well enough to know that I am serious. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my, like my, my parents and siblings are forewarned. There you go. <laughs> and similar to how much you care about your pet, we also ask people to make decisions about children and who they want to take care of minor children. And then we also include power of attorney documents. So who would make decisions on your behalf if you were incapacitated? You answer those questions. And then we worked with lawyers in each of our active provinces to create all of that legal content on the back end. So we basically spit you out a nice PDF that's customized to your situation that has an instructions page that tells mm. you how to print it and sign it to make it legally valid. And we offer you free updates. So if you want to come back and you go through a marriage or a divorce or the birth of another child, you can come back and make updates at that time. Yes. And let's just for a little, little tidbit for those listening, if you get married, your previous will is invalid. So just remember that unless of course it's done in contemplation of the marriage and references it as such. So I will add the legal jargon. So, we'll, we'll put the asterisks in the show yes, notes. Asterisks in the show notes. So let's talk about, let's go back to one. So first off, I've looked at it. I've gone through it. You were kind enough to give me a, a code to go through it uh, without charge. I appreciate that. Although my situation is a little bit more complex. I need something a little bit bigger than this. Yeah. We uh, don't support um, addendums where you haunt people if they don't perform your wishes, unfortunately. That is Sorry, about, that's just the beginning of the You know what? I'm going to bring that back to our product manager. Yeah, well, you can just write that it's in It's just going to be the ghost emoji. That's it. The ghost emoji. That is awesome. <laughs> Who would you like to haunt for the rest of your undying days? So basically, what I will say is that what I liked about the entire thing was you guys checked all the major boxes and you did the wills themselves are what I will refer to as you definitely targeted the 80, not the 20, right? You looked at the mass market of the average human being in this country and said, what are the concerns for them? You're not worried about multiple testamentary trusts that are going to be full, that are going to be basically paid out over every two years for the next 20 years because the person's inherit that kid's inheriting $3 million. You're not looking at that. You're looking at what are the fundamental problems that basically the average Canadian is, is looking for. So with that, I think you've probably hit upon a useful tool for 80% of the household. So I commend you on that. Thank and you. I've read many wills in my day, and I will tell you this much, it is frightening how many lawyers are charging for some of the stuff they're putting out there. So anything that standardizes the text around something that is both works and legal is a huge benefit to consumers, right? So I commend you again for cre helping create that standardization. So let's talk about one of the other key value propositions, the price. You, we touched upon this earlier, this is affordable, and I will say very affordable, so I'll let you talk about that. Yeah, so first, a will without power of attorney documents for a single person, it's 99. For a single will with power of attorney, it's 149. And for a couple's or mirrored will uh, plus POAs, it's 249. So for, yeah. you know, I would say about an hour of an average estate lawyer's time, you're getting your full will and power of attorney documents, and you're also getting updates at any time, which you would typically have to pay and go back to do. So mm -hmm. it's definitely more affordable. And to your point earlier, I mean, we're not trying to replace lawyers. We recognize that there's always going to be those complexities. And we're probably not also going to be right for people after five or 10 years using our platform, right? They're probably going to grow out of using mm -hmm. Willful and go through a life event like having a disabled child or wanting to disinherit someone or being separated but not divorced or having blended families. Like all of these are scenarios where oh, they'll yeah. probably want to get legal advice and need something a bit more complex. So our promise to consumers is not, this is going to be a blanket solution for you for the rest of your life. It's if you have a simple estate, this is a more than comprehensive tool for you right now. And if and when you're ready to upgrade, you can rest easy knowing you're not paying another $3,000 to get it done. You're just investing in that more complex yeah. will at that time. You know, the price, it's amazing. I mean, the price tag comes up as such a hurdle for some people. I mean, the honest truth is in my experience, and I deal with some of, I will say,
say I'm privileged enough to deal with some of the most outstanding estate lawyers in the country. You know who I'm talking about if you're listening, although you're probably not listening because I'm pretty sure you don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> but the reality is, is that the going rate for a will for a single person is roughly, roughly between five to 600 bucks and a power of attorney is probably about 50, right? So you're looking at for one individual, you're looking at roughly about 800, 1600, 12 to $1,600 for a couple because they're, they're mirroring each other. It's not as much drafting. That's a rudimentary one, right? We start getting into dual wills, inter vivos, tr- uh, sorry, alter ego trusts, situations like disabled children, blind of family issues, like then you start getting a little bit higher. But frankly, I still say it every time. It's you think that's expensive, try dying without it, right? Like the, the amount of money I have seen spent that has just ripped families apart, just debating because people just couldn't be bothered to write a will, mm-hmm. just could not be bothered. And the worst part is, and I've shared these stories before on the podcast, the most heartbreaking thing I see in this business is when the estate planning wasn't done, the basic documents weren't done, and the people who are left behind, when they speak about the person who passed away, who typically is unfortunately usually, usually the father, this is my experience, it's always been the father because they're usually the ones who die sooner, leaving the mother behind with no will. The resentment of that person after they're gone, they're not looking back at this person with a sense of loss. They look back with a sense of anger. And that is just so heartbreaking. And, you know, the first time I saw it, I thought that is definitely not the way I want to be remembered. No. And I want to prevent as many people from being remembered that way as possible. But do you know why I think that is, is there's such a lack of education, mm. not only about what happens if you die without a will, but just there's so much opacity around the whole process. And a lot of people haven't had to deal with that situation. Maybe they haven't been the executor of someone's will or... If they had, then they know they never want to do it again. Exactly. And they know at least having an estate plan in place made it that job a lot easier for them. But I think... Another side note, when I see people go to court to fight over who gets to be the executor, I just, I throw up my arms and say, why? It's kind of like when when you're mad that your friend doesn't ask you to be a bridesmaid in her wedding. I'm always (laughs) like, do you know what being a bridesmaid entails yes. <laughs> like it's spending a lot of money it's doing a lot of stuff you don't want to do yes. like why are you fighting over this let role? me get this straight i show up to the same event i eat the same food i drink the same free booze i get about the same gift yet i have no responsibility yes exactly <laughs> like, being a guest is better it's like being a beneficiary is better than being an executor no, but sure. but that's kind of another goal of ours as well is having come from a personal reason where kev saw his own family kind of torn apart by this the idea is is really to make sure that not only more Canadians have wills, our ultimate mission is to ensure every Canadian has a will in place, whether through us or through our competitors or through lawyers or however, but it's also to educate people. What Mm -hmm. actually happens when you die intestate? What does intestate even mean? What does your family actually go through? People don't know this and they they don't even know the basics around creating a will. And I didn't either. I mean, I was married with a home. Well, I was common law with a home before Kevin came up with the idea for this and we didn't have a will. We didn't know... We needed one. We didn't know anything about this yep. space. And so we're targeting people like Everybody us who... assumes that the law says X, right? But meanwhile, yeah. like when challenges, like, ah, I don't need one. I got a simple case. It's like, well, you own the house outright because your spouse came and joined you afterwards, right? Yeah. So what do you think happens if you pass away? Well, it goes to her. Well, no, you have children. So guess what? 200000 to her and then basically two-thirds to the kids. And then if she wants to sell that. And because you have no will, the office of the children's lawyer, who, by the way, I have friends there, lovely people, they get involved and they don't let you sell it or do anything without their approval. And that money has to technically be held in trust for their benefit, not for your wife. And everybody's like, well, they just look at me in shock, mm-hmm. right? Never assume that the government's intent 
is basically looking out solely for you. No, it looks for, out for all parties. And they're going to do what they think. The default is what they think is going to protect everybody, mm-hmm. not protect who you think is important, right? So it's tough. And it's, so let me also, let's let's go to one other point too. And we talked about this before we started. Again, young person's assumption that, you know, I don't necessarily need these sort of things. I teach at York and you don't know this, but other people who listen do. And when I get to the estate portion of the financial planning class, I ask everyone in that class who are all over the age of 18, how many of you have a power of attorney? And the only time a hand ever goes up, actually, I shouldn't say that. So the, the MBAs, sometimes the undergrads, I think it happened once, wow. right? Because the parents basically did that and made sure like they were taken care of. But I basically asked the question then, if you are incapacitated or unable to act, who can do it on your behalf? And they're all like, well, can't my folks do it? Like, well, you're over 18. Technically, no. Technically, they have to basically make an appeal to become that person who's in charge of you. So that takes time, money, effort, and lawyers. So, I mean, this tool alone, I mean, you talk about like a $50 difference between a will and a power of attorney. Please, God, all of you pick that $50 difference and upgrade. My God. Yeah. The only reason that you shouldn't is if you already created one for some reason. But I think- that's the other thing we we were chatting about earlier before we press record is the fact that, I mean, when I say 89% of millennials don't have a will, not every single one of those millennials needs a will. If you're no. 21 and you have $4 in your checkings account and you don't have a dog, then you probably don't need a will, but everybody over the age of majority needs a power of, needs attorney. A power of attorney. And unfortunately, when you think about people becoming incapacitated, it's not just people who get dementia in you know their older years. It's people who get in car accidents or who have unexpected things have happen to them. Have skates taken out from them in a high up hockey game. I've seen exactly that like you and you never know and I get that nobody wants to think about that when they're you know home for Thanksgiving break from university but it really honestly takes very little time to get in place it doesn't cost a lot even if you go to a lawyer so it's something that we want to focus more on that just power of attorney section alone because I sure didn't have one from the time I was 18 until mm-hmm. I was 32 and I think about what would have happened and how much strife my common law partner would have had to go through or my parents my blended yep. family trying to petition for who gets to make those decisions, right? Absolutely. And when I coach people through estate planning, what I always say is, look, there's only a couple of goals with this. One is what you have goes where you want it to go. Two is that as little goes to the government as is legally possible. And three is you do not make a difficult time for people more difficult through lack of planning. Because mm-hmm. I'll tell you right now, if you want to show your family you do not care enough about them to get your stuff together in advance of a problem, go ahead and ignore me because they will resent you. And I have seen it happen. So hopefully that scares most of them into action. Most of them do. Do you think it does? Do you ever ask at the end of the semester, how many of you have actually gone out and gotten? Oh, the students? No, I think the students is different because at the end of the day, like it's too hard for them at that point, right? They're not going to pay a lawyer. They go to their parents. The parents are going to say, I don't know if you need one of those things, right? Because the parents are all wise and all knowing somehow, but they're not. (laughs) I mean, like this is where a digital solution where a couple, you know, a reasonable price, frankly, is is invaluable. So basically now that you have one of the advantages you have also here is that this is a nice digital interface. And people can check what was on there very quickly because more often than not, the number of times people put up a will and again, not being up to date, I've literally met with clients and gone through their previous wills and been like, okay, so the first 50,000 is going to this person. Wait, wait a second. I mean, 50,000 is going to my friend I haven't spoken to in 10 years. You haven't spoken to that person in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should change your will, right? Mm-hmm. Like the number of times that that happens or like, for example, um, guardians are named that are no longer married, right? A, a number of things. These are documents that live the life that you live, right? Mm-hmm. Like you may not update them on a daily basis, but there are things that happen. You get that extra pet, for example, right? Like that's going to happen, right? So I think that you made a very easy to use interface for how that can be very quickly on the fly put together, but also very quickly updated. You have a child 
problem done, take, you know, it's taken care of. Well, and I think that's kind of our ultimate vision is not just to, to provide wills. It's really to provide a suite of tools for not only the people preparing for their own passing, but for the people who might be putting those plans into action. We haven't ironed out exactly what that will look like. Well, but you already have the second company. You just kind of look at the guy. Yeah, you just kind of <laughs> integrate it back in. But I love the idea of really making estate planning or checking on the status of your estate plan part of your annual financial checkup. So maybe mm-hmm. pairing it with New Year's resolutions or pairing it with tax time and encouraging people to log in. And once we have those additional digital breadcrumbs for people, for the executor, asking if you've updated your list of subscriptions, have you canceled Netflix? Have you updated your life insurance policy and asking them to take stock of everything in their will. And if you make it an annual habit, sure, you might only update your will three or four times throughout your life, but some people might have more frequent changes than that. And even just taking 15 minutes to evaluate Mm -hmm. and take stock of it every year can be super helpful. And that's not a behavior that most of us have right now. Well, unless you're me. <laughs> <laughs> unless you're one of Jason's clients. Yes. And that's, in that case, yes. he is making sure you have a very comprehensive will with a ghost clause. But oh. for the rest of the folks out there, they're probably yes. not sitting down. And for anyone listening who hasn't clause. updated it in 10 years, go in and see if you still talk to that friend you left $50,000 to. <laughs> yeah. And it's also, again, part of the value of proposition of a really good financial planner is two things that, you know, we need to be aware of what's in that will. So too often, more often than not, people will set up something as simple as a beneficiary, an RSP or TFSA, without consideration for what's in the will, and they think the will is going to take care of it. But no, it's the last declaration that wins, so they basically are now contradicting the will. And people like me can look out and make sure that sort of thing doesn't happen. And just even, you know, I was telling you earlier, I try to talk to my clients at least every other month, and half the time it's just what's going on in their life. And the number of times where it's like, well, wait a sec, weren't those people named as that you're no longer speaking to, weren't they getting a gift or something? Weren't they going to be in charge of your of your kids like those things come up just in conversation and if not for those little checkpoints then god knows if something had happened before i caught that something could have gone bad for sure yeah so now one of the things i wanted to touch upon is that this is all digitized what are you doing to engage people and encourage that entire let's go back and refresh what's going on here yeah it's a good i mean the major problem is how do you get people to care about and think about this stuff we did Mm -hmm. some customer research and found our hypothesis is that people come to our site around major life events like getting married the birth of a child buying a home car accident and being like unfortunately yes the death of a near-death experience the death of there's probably like 10 or 15 life events that would cause you to create or update a will but we actually found 40 percent of people who have come to our site purchased a will or at least started the process said it was just a nagging sense of not having this done that made them come and get a will they and they probably they, they were doing poorly at adulting and they felt the need to basically exactly and they and, and they made they might have been putting it off for eight years or ten years so while we try to market to people and educate them around those life events we're really marketing to procrastinators who have had this on their list forever and just finding that one day where they yep. finally sit down and say enough is enough I'm finally gonna check this off my list and reducing the friction of getting it done by making it a very easy experience Exactly. And the other way that I think that we're going to try to make it an annual checkup thing is really just creating more of a a brand around that of an estate planning checkup and emailing them once a year and saying, has anything changed? Log in. It takes five minutes. And unfortunately, the biggest roadblock to our customers is the printing and the signing of the will. But I imagine in the next five to 10 years, we'll be moving towards hopefully digital signature. You can buy a house with digital signatures, but you can't sign a more. The number of things we can't do with digital signatures just is always shocking to me. Yeah. And I, I understand why you obviously have to not only verify that the person is who they say they are, you have to have facial recognition, you have to verify they're of sound mind. Like there's all these things that go into the signing of a will that where there's physical people that witness to say. Very true. But I do anticipate that we'll be moving towards that. And Mm -hmm. we'd obviously like to go fully digital one day. But what keeps me up at night is not only the people who don't have wills, but the people who create wills on our platform and never take that last 5% step of 
printing and having it signed. There's a new sign. There's a, there's a new line of business for you. We will print it and mail it to you. We've actually, th- so our competitor in the States, which we, who we've actually partnered with, uh, Trust and Will, they Smart do- Smart cross referral, because they, you know, you Absolutely, can't, they yeah. have a ton of visitors from Canada. We have a ton of visitors from the States. And so we just send them each other each other's way. We don't Great. have any intention Co-opetition. of- Exactly. And so they actually do that. They print them and actually physically mail them to clients to say, and obviously they can't make sure that they actually sign them and have them signed correctly. No, but, but still at least that. they're nudging them a little bit towards the finish line. So we've definitely thought about that. Well, definitely, definitely the way to get, I mean, short of putting them in a room, handing the pen being here, which I do, it's kind of hard to encourage them to get the done. Just the fact well, that we always like, we always end up becoming like an H&R block. We're like, how could we actually get, well, what if we had like a physical location that people could come? We're like, wait, now no, we're an no, offline no, no, service? No, 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 that's no. not what we're margins, trying to be. Margins, margins. <laughs> yeah, no. But we have thought about, I mean, one of the, our biggest distribution channels is partnerships, right? So not only partnering with people like financial planners who are talking to people about this stuff every day, but partnering with companies people like TurboTax or Sun Life, who is selling life insurance online or any host of people who are targeting people around these life events. We're really experimenting with partnering up with them or forming partnerships with them so that they're talking to people about estate planning and recommending our service at a point where they're already in the mindset of being in that life stage. So hopefully that works. Fantastic. Well, it is a worthy cause because quite frankly, I've seen seen the fallout of not having it. I mean, it's funny. I actually, one estate lawyer I know would uh, joke at conferences like, you do realize we're planning ourselves out of money, right? Because we make so much more when they don't plan in advance. But then again, it's the right thing to do. You, you wouldn't be able to sleep at night. <laughs> well, some lawyers might, but not all of them. That being said, so let's finish this up with the, the three questions I ask everybody at the end. If you had one wish for something you could change in the marketplace or in the company you're working on, what would it be? I mean, I think I already touched on it. It would be digital signature. So it would be making it super simple for people to just digitally sign, not only sign, but store their wills. A huge problem is, oh, I create my will. I sign it. I don't tell my executor where it is. I don't tell my family it exists. And then, I mean, we saw this with Aretha Franklin. Her family found handwritten wills in the couch cushions. How many months in the couch cushions? Almost a year. Almost a year after. So How did it even get in the couch cushion? And why did she think that was a good place? Was it even her that wrote it? Who knows, right? So I just happened to find this in the couch cushion. By the way, her hand was really busted up when she <laughs> yeah, and her, her handwriting looks suspiciously to Aunt Irma's, but having people actually be able to store, sign it and store it online so that, and then email their executor and say, here's where you can access it. There's so it. many digital solutions to all this, but the law's not letting us do it. I know, but it will change. It will change. And actually our partners in the US are doing a lot of lobbying there. Lobbying yeah. is not my expertise, so we haven't really gotten into that. But and other no folks, fun. like, I don't know if you know Patrick from No Disconnect, they do, no. they have an online will registry. So they've been doing a lot of work in trying to get their yeah. kind of registry recognized in the courts and have had some success with it. So hopefully we can. Uh, I mean, you know, there's there's definitely a crypto aspect to this. You know, blockchain. Oh my god, that Quadriga down. story where the guy died with the keys to well, 150 million dollars in assets. Oh yeah, died, quote unquote, in air quotes. I'm yeah. pretty sure he's in Bora Bora. Well, no one's. Well, first of all, Bora Bora is lovely. Secondly, that's where I would be. Third, actually, it's pretty boring if you know there for a couple, more than a couple of weeks. But no one has, has no has anyone really seen the body. Okay, that's all I'm saying. And then like, <laughs> and, then, and then he managed to have him offloaded to a bunch of personal drives. Like, give me. A I break. just know there's going to be a biopic about him premiering at TIFF in probably two years, and I'm definitely going to watch it. I put the odds of him being alive at greater than 50%, just with a very different face. Like yeah. face-off John Travolta style? Except that that would never work. <laughs> anyway, so second, the second question, what's been the greatest challenge you've faced in getting the um, company to where it is today? I think the biggest challenge for us has just been getting people to care about a topic that they actively try not to think about. Nobody wakes up in the morning excited to estate plan, to think about their will, to contemplate their own mortality. 
And so it's a real struggle for us. We're not selling socks, you know, where it's an impulse purchase. We're selling a product where there's tons of thought and conversation and active avoidance of doing it in the first place. We're almost like gyms, right? Like nobody wants to work out unless you're like some weird psychopath that enjoys uh, working out. Gyms actively have to try to get some people to do an activity that they're not want to do, but their business models rely on people not actually doing that. Our business model relies on people people actually actually doing doing it. it. And our mission that helps us sleep at night, it relies on people actually doing it. So that's definitely been a huge challenge for us. And yeah. and I would assume a challenge for every estate lawyer and every company tackling the same thing we are. It's funny. There's a good Planet Money podcast where they talked about what would it really cost if everybody actually went to the gym? And they I listened to that one. Yeah, it was, was like, fascinating. That was great. Eh? And, was... and the answer is like, they do not want everyone going to the gym. Oh yeah. It was like, it was, it was basically they, it was a, there was Planet Fitness where they said if that actually happened, the equipment wouldn't last a month. Like yeah. they'd be done. And then the one that they found that you, it was what the one gym in Brooklyn where like, if you didn't show up for more than like two weeks, you were you were out because there was a wait list to be on it. And it was like over a thousand bucks a month or something like that. I actually like that one though, because it required that you went to the gym a certain number of days a week. And I hate, I, I yeah. feel like I would do it if there was well, someone emailing me and yeah, bothering me. It's interesting because I thought about that afterwards too. And I was like, is this really the gym, the, the gym junkies who really want to take it seriously and don't want to be around like the people who get in their way on their equipment and just don't know what they're doing? Or is it basically like, hey, I'm spending this kind of money and now I'm committed. And, mm-hmm. and we've crossed the threshold from from the psychological, ah, it's 10 bucks a month, right? To $1,000 a month. You worth. better believe I'm going there every day. So we right? should just charge $5,000 for our wills. <laughs> if only, if only. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you're right. No one ever wakes up and says, today's my day, I'm going to write a will. But I also feel like the value proposition of how easy you made it is, is, is just so powerful because it's like, hey, you know that nagging thing you're supposed to do that is really stupid if you don't and you're not really an adult if you don't? Yeah, five minutes, come on. Just, yeah. just, just get it done here, right? So there's your value prop. There's your next marketing campaign. There you go. Shame <laughs> is, is our next theme. <laughs> shame. How hashtag, dare you not have a will? Hashtag adulting shame. Okay. So the last one is what excites you the most about what it is you're working on and what gets you up every morning to keep doing what you're doing? I mean, I think I'll, I'll answer something unrelated to estate planning and I'll just say, I believe that there are entrepreneurs who are born, who are just imbued with this sense of constant ideation and creativity. And there are entrepreneurs who become entrepreneurs later in their career by circumstance. And I definitely fall into the latter category. Mm -hmm. My parents were Nortel executives. They were not, I was not surrounded by entrepreneurship when I was younger. And we both grew up in a time where entrepreneurship wasn't cool. There were no, well, I guess Mark Zuckerberg isn't that cool anymore, but there were no Jack Dorsey's and Mark Zuckerberg's. (laughs) None of these famous entrepreneurs who made startups cool. And I stumbled into it later when I joined an early stage startup and just kind of fell in love and never looked back. And I think now um, going from working for other startups to running my own with my husband, uh, for all the, the ups and downs of that, I think is just really fulfilling. And what I'm looking forward to most is just shaping our own culture and growing a team that is as committed to the problem that we're solving and as committed to building solutions around this as we are and, and seeing where that goes. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for taking the time and thank you for creating a quick and easy solution I can refer people to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for shining a spotlight on people, especially in, in the industry that you're in, because again, I think the fintech and startup world is very insular. You know, everyone in our community knows yeah. each other. And so it's really great that you're shining a light on these solutions to thank people you. who may not know about them. Yeah, already. It's funny. You're right. I think it's two sided. The, the financial advisory world is insular and the tech world is insular and they're trying to work together, but it's amazing how little how a little conversation happens between them except for a presentation at a conference and that's the end of it. Yeah, exactly. So thank you yet again. Thanks for having me, Jason.
So I hope you enjoyed that interview with Aaron Burry of Willful. And I am serious when I say this is a wonderful task to undertake because, quite frankly, as you heard me previously on this episode and other ones, when people die without a will, it gets ugly and messy fast. So if you don't have one, I highly encourage you to take a look at what she's done. And with that, as always, I'm Jason Pereira. This has been Fintech Impact. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at fintechimpact.co.